Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just the News podcasts. You can go to justthenews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Hey, it's time to pre-order my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. It's out Tuesday, November 24th, and this explains nearly everything about what's going wrong with the news and the censorship, control, and manipulation of social media. Today in this podcast, I'm going to take a fanciful, hypothetical look at how things might be if an unconflicted news media were covering the 2020 election and the aftermath. I thought it would be really interesting to take a look at what I think the news coverage would have looked like building up to this election and what's happened since if we had a more traditional, fair, accurate, and neutral press. What do I mean by that? Well, as I've written about and spoken of extensively, the media is really a shadow of its former self in terms of traditional journalism. And I wrote about this in Stonewalled, in The Smear, and in my new book, Slanted, which is coming out in a few days. I talk about how the media allowed itself to be transformed, kind of invited this transformation, how the news has allowed special interests, corporate and political interests, to influence the way we report things. And never was this more clearly seen than when it came to Donald Trump. In fact, starting in around 2016, the news, led by the New York Times, admitted, acknowledged, and even cheered on the changes that they made in their standards and ethics and reporting guidelines so that they could deviate to attack President Trump, whom they said they viewed as uniquely dangerous to our American democracy. But I think we know from the evidence that's been entered over the past four years or so that really what Donald Trump did was threaten the establishment in both parties, threaten the power structure the money structure, the way that people were plugged into the political systems to make sure that their interests were served, that certain hearings did or didn't happen, that certain laws do or don't get passed. Anyway, with this warped and manipulated information landscape, we had a really weird situation going into the election. We had the news media basically dismissing or ignoring what should have been in a neutral environment, clear warning signs, signs that should have made us stand up and take notice and be on special alert going into election day. Instead, when the election irregularities or the unusual trends happened in this environment where we've never really had an election like this before with so many last-minute changes and mail-in ballots and absentees, when all of this irregular stuff started to happen, Instead of us having as journalists the normal journalistic supportive skepticism, we just said everything was fine. All of a sudden, the elections that we had worried so much about in 2016, we didn't worry about at all as far as possible tampering by foreign or domestic actors. So what would things have looked like? Why should we have covered things differently on the front end? And what would it look like if we had? Well, to begin with, let's talk about some of the supporting evidence and information that should have alerted neutral journalists, serious-minded journalists, wherever they may stand, 
to cover this election and go into it with more of a skeptical eye with that journalistic cynicism we have when we go to investigate things, the suspicion that we naturally have based on evidence of things that have happened in the past. It doesn't mean that we know what's going to happen next, but we're on alert for and aware of potential improprieties when we've been primed to expect the possibility that they may occur. Let's look at Exhibit 1, which is the fact that we were told in 2016 there's no doubt that Russia interfered in our election. Now, in the end, it may not be as much as people thought. At first, it turned out to be a fairly small number of Facebook ads by people in Russia that our government said interfered with our election by trying to sway people's opinions. And the conclusion ultimately was that no votes were changed, but we were told it's possible that votes can be changed, that we should be on the alert for that. We were also told in no uncertain terms that it's not just Russia. China may be an even bigger threat. China has allegedly tried to interfere in our elections in the past. So there are other foreign actors we should be on the alert for as journalists when we look at the question of will there be any tampering or manipulation of our election process. Those are just the foreign actors or the possible foreign interference We also know from 2016 that there are domestic actors who have interfered with our politics and our elections. And you don't have to go very far. You don't even have to believe some of the allegations that are out there that have not yet come to fruition with charges. But we do know for sure, according to the Obama-appointed Inspector General of the Department of Justice, there were all kinds of improprieties and possible illegalities committed by our own intelligence agencies and officials at the Department of Justice and the FBI when it came to 2016 and even beyond, that there were some people that were so politically conflicted and so out to get President Trump, they did all kinds of things, such as applying for improper wiretaps against Trump associate Carter Page. There is, as you probably know, a former FBI lawyer who's been charged with doctoring or falsifying a document used to get the improper wiretaps against Carter Page. That's just the tip of the iceberg, but that's something very concrete we can hold on to. We know that there were improper so-called unmaskings of the names of American citizens, something that should never have happened. I've talked about this if you want to read more about it. I've written about it if you want to Google my name and unmaskings. It will explain some of that, but it just shows that There are officials within our own government that were involved in trying to compromise something about our politics and our elections around the 2016 timeframe. So based on that, based on that past action, we as neutral journalists should be on alert for something like that potentially happening again in 2020. In fact, we would be remiss not to be on alert for something like that. I think particularly when you look at nobody has really paid a price for the interference that happened in the 2016 timeframe. So if nobody was ultimately punished for it or held accountable before the 2020 elections, why wouldn't we expect more shenanigans and possible illegalities? So again, wherever you stand as a journalist, if you have a particular political position or somebody you want to win, that should be set aside. And just the journalistic pursuit of looking at our election process And if it's fair and if votes are counted accurately should be something that we all care about. And if you want to go a step further, you could even say to yourself as a journalist that the other side might try to tamper with the election. 
not just the Democrats perhaps looking to get President Trump, but surely there are actors on the other side of the aisle you could theorize as a rational, skeptical journalist who might likewise try to do something to impact the election in a way that's improper. So for all of those reasons, we should have gone into 2020 reporting on these possibilities, looking at all of that, and then add to that all of the evidence of the weird, irregular things that were happening with ballots that were being mailed to people, ballots that were being mailed back. There were election officials being convicted of fraud in various jurisdictions. I started collecting some of these articles because I wanted to know, is it really that rare when people say there's no election fraud, it's very hard to do, that's, that's a myth? I actually started looking and found many, many articles just in the past five to six months leading up to the election that categorized improper and illegal activities, not just impacting one, two, three votes or ballots, but sometimes thousands and thousands of them. So this, as a neutral journalist, should have led those covering politics and elections to be, again, on alert or somewhat suspicious, a rational suspicion, at least, going into the 2020 election. So in those weeks and even months leading up to the election, there should have been more stories by political reporters looking into these possibilities, looking into the illegalities, not simply dismissing them and saying it was a myth or saying that concerns had been debunked. None of that was true. But if you read a lot of what was being circulated in the media, they were predicting somehow in the future that there would be no fraud and saying that anybody who raised such concerns was a conspiracy theorist or somebody who was way out of line. And that's where you see the partisanship and the bias in the reporting. Then came election night, of course. And I think that we all know the way the election was widely reported There was a rush in general by the media to call states quickly when when and if they felt they could for Biden, but to call states slowly when and if they could when it came to Trump. And you have to ask yourself, what's the hurry? Why do media outlets who really don't have any official capacity to declare a state called, it's just something they do, but why the hurry? Yes, there's some competitive nature when it comes to that, but this time there was really more of a sense of trying to impact how people felt or saw the election, in my view. Now, you remember going into the election, we were told by political pundits on the left, particularly, that this election might not be resolved in days or weeks. It might take even months. We might not know till Christmas the official outcome. But then all of a sudden, when that turned out to be the case, and it was President Trump who was making the challenge, we were told, well, this was going on far too long. Why doesn't he just concede? You can see that there was not a neutral, unbiased take by journalists on this. It depended on who was ahead and whose side they were on as to the side they took when they said what should be happening with the election. If the tables had been turned, I think we all know that, let's say, Trump had won even after all of the counts after a couple of days, or it was very, very close, a narrow Trump victory, and Joe Biden were challenging. I think most of the press would be telling us to let it play out, let the legal challenges come. We told you this might be months before we would know the final results. Instead, they totally changed their tune when it turned out to be President Trump who wanted to make these challenges. They wanted to declare the election 
over shortly after election night. That is not the way, in my view, a neutral press would have covered this election. With so many sensitivities, with so many past improprieties, with so many in the press and government and politics openly and explicitly acting against President Trump, it would have been reasonable to make sure we withhold judgment on how this election was going to turn out if there was any doubt or if there were any challenges by either side. What's the rush? Why not let it play out or at the very least report both sides? Instead, the media in this case was demanding, ordering, cajoling President Trump to concede quickly, was implying that he's unpatriotic and outside of his rights and doesn't love America because he wasn't willing to do so. Again, getting on the bandwagon, the news media is, taking a position rather than covering the story in a neutral way, representing both sides or various sides of the issues, and withholding judgment on how it all turns out until we really know how it all turns out. I think it would be fair to say and would have been fair to say early on that it appears as though Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States, but certainly Comments like that, when made by the news media, should also come with the counterpoints. How many times over the past few years has the press been entirely wrong with its projections and predictions? How many times have they reported one-sided information only to have it be proven entirely false? So just from a standpoint of wanting to be accurate and fair and protect your own reputation as a news organization, the reporting on all of this should be careful and accurate. There should be no hurry about anything. And it shouldn't appear as though journalists are cheering on one side and criticizing the other. Just represent the viewpoints. After a short break, we'll continue this discussion and talk about what the news coverage might have looked like shortly after the election as issues have come up if we had a fair and neutral press reporting on it. We're back, and I want to look at the question now as to how the news coverage would look if we had a fair and neutral press, the news coverage in these days and weeks after the election, as there have been many challenges and, quite frankly, a lot of evidence of improprieties that have arisen. Now, it doesn't mean that you as a journalist, if you're reporting on this, have to say how this will all turn out or whether you think it will change the outcome of the election. You can quote other people who have opinions on that, preferably report different viewpoints on that, but you as the journalist should not be the one trying to make that prediction. Quite frankly, the pundits on TV and journalists who are not necessarily experts have been wrong so many times about these things. Why should they even go out on a limb and predict how they think things are going to turn out ahead of time? Anyway, the first thing I noticed was the media and pundits and special interests were trying to sort of establish the parameters of how we discussed whether President Trump had any argument about the election, any rational argument to challenge it. And the phrase that we heard used was, there's no evidence of widespread fraud. Think about how many different media outlets have used that exact phrase or something very much like it. That's not organic. That's not a naturally thought of, naturally occurring phrase that everybody just happened to use. I think many news reporters, as they pick up each other's language and pick up the language of propagandists, they don't even always know that they're doing it. They don't think about it or they're not aware that they're using the talking points that have been set out there 
by those who want to manipulate and shape public opinion. So they're saying no evidence of widespread fraud as if that is the bar. Well, first of all, the funny thing about that is a lot of times reporting made it sound as though the evidence would be walking up, knocking on the door and presenting itself to you or that the guilty parties would be admitting their guilt and anything short of that proves that nothing bad happened. In fact, if someone wanted to say there was no evidence of fraud, you could just as well say there's no evidence there was no fraud. Both of those statements, when you start talking about the whole without evidence thing, it just gets to be very murky. And I wrote about this in my new book, The Smear, that that's sort of a propaganda phrase, the whole without evidence phrase that was invented as a weapon to use against President Trump and his supporters. It's really fairly meaningless, and it's certainly not used in an even-handed way against both sides. It's typically used in a one-sided way to attack almost anything that President Trump or his supporters claim. And yet, when the other side does it, or when the media itself presents facts and claims without evidence, they seem to not have any self-awareness that they're doing the very thing they're accusing the other side of doing. But when you hear that phrase, that's a key that you are likely hearing some sort of propaganda and you want to dig a little deeper. So the whole without evidence thing is silly because the evidence doesn't just walk up and present itself. In fact, there was a time when journalists would have been on site looking for the evidence, not demanding that the alleged victims of the bad acts present the evidence to you. After all, if somebody has committed a crime or a bad act, they're typically trying to cover it up. Which brings me to another point, and this has been the case really for the past four to five years. If President Trump or his supporters make a claim, it is automatically not to be believed, even if it comes with some semblance of evidence. But as soon as the person they accuse denies whatever it is, that's treated by some in the media as if it's a closed case because the person denied it. It's almost like if someone's accused of murder and the accused says, I didn't do it, the press is saying, well, where's the story? The guy who's accused said he didn't commit the murder. Why are we still following that story? It's kind of like that with the election stuff. President Trump or his lawyers or his supporters will raise an allegation about some alleged impropriety. The press will treat that very skeptically and then go to the accused officials who say it's not true and the press acts like that's a closed case. It proves, therefore, nothing bad happened. It's really rather ridiculous. What should they be doing? Well, the press should present the allegation or the accusation and, of course, present what the other side says about it. But the press shouldn't be the ones trying to weigh in on the ultimate truth of the matter since there's no way they know. They were not in the minds. They were not in the room. There's no way for the members of the press to know what the truth of the matter is, and yet they consistently are nonetheless claiming that something did or didn't happen. Again, this is a deviation from how we used to report the news, a really serious and obvious example, something that's happened time and time again over the past four to five years where reporters that have no inside information firsthand about what is true or what is not about something nonetheless will make a declaration and tell the public what is to be believed and what is to be dismissed. So we started with no evidence of widespread fraud. Quite frankly, we started with no evidence of fraud. And then when some evidence of fraud came up, it became, well, there's no evidence of widespread fraud. Again, with the propagandists very cleverly trying to define the bar that is supposed to be met 
before the public is to consider or the media is to consider taking certain allegations seriously. And then when there was more evidence of widespread fraud, as this has been collected over recent days and weeks, all of a sudden the press dismisses that instead of being surprised or alarmed and jumping on board with these allegations and investigating them, the media says, well, it wasn't enough to make a difference. Not enough votes could be changed to matter. So you see the sort of sliding scale of what we're supposed to be concerned about or what would supposedly amount to a legitimate claim of possible fraud that matters. Meantime, I've had to look pretty hard when I try to find out what's going on in terms of allegations in various states of potential voter fraud or just perhaps mistakes that amount to something more than a few votes. You can find it if you look. It's just not that easy. One publication that I think has been covering this fairly, the way that I think maybe reporters used to do more often, is Epoch Times or Epic Times, spelled E-P-O-C-H. They, as of the last time I looked, still had not called the race, as they say, because they're waiting for the legal challenges and the recounts to play out, as I think legitimate journalists should. Again, it's not that you can't say that as a pundit or even as a reporter, it appears most likely to you that Joe Biden will win and is the next president of the United States. But to declare that it's all over, that there should be no challenges, that's not the role of a reporter. No matter which side you're on, that's just not what we're supposed to do. And today, maybe a reporter does it in a way you agree with because you like who they are against, but tomorrow you might not like who they're against. And suddenly you'll start thinking you would like to have both sides of a story, not just one side. So what have I seen as I've looked around? I've seen many accounts and sworn affidavits from credible-sounding people who've gone on record under penalty of perjury, talking about things such as being blocked from seeing signatures verified, from seeing votes being counted. And then once again, the press will go to an official at the county where these allegations are made, and the official will say, well, none of that's true. And the press often acts as though, therefore, the case is closed. The official says it didn't happen, so we don't need to report on it anymore. It really is ludicrous because I can't think of a time five years ago, 10 years ago, when we would have treated news events so universally like that, as if the person making an accusation is always to be seen skeptically and cynically, and those denying the accusation are always to be taken at face value when they're, in fact, the accused. There have been allegations made by credible people, whether true or not, there certainly are allegations made by credible people about votes being routed or some parts of the voting system on election night being routed to foreign countries. This should be concerning to journalists. This should be an area of interest. Remember, we were told in 2016 to look out for foreign interference. All of a sudden, many in the press don't seem very concerned about the potential of foreign-based interference in the election when it doesn't go the way they seem to want it to go. So I think if we had a neutral and fair press that was less interested in furthering propaganda and narratives and swaying public opinion, and more interested in simply reporting the facts on the ground, finding out whether there were improprieties and possible illegalities, we would have had a whole different picture in our information landscape, a whole different reflection on social media 
building up to the 2020 election and the time period since then. You may be saying to yourself, does it really matter? Is this a very good example? Because you're probably thinking it's such a long shot that President Trump would be able to do anything to convince people that he actually won the election, or it's a long shot that he would be able to prove the kind of fraud that it would take to overturn the election results as we know them today, or that he's not likely to convince the courts to take his side. All that may be true. But every time we as journalists get on board with one side of an issue and report in such a biased fashion, it really chips away at confidence, the public's confidence in our ability to be accurate and fair and neutral, not just when we're reporting on Donald Trump, but when we're reporting on other issues too. We've undermined the public's confidence in everything we do by the behavior that we've displayed in the past few years. And things are now so serious and people are so mistrustful. It's not that they're only mistrustful of the media. They're now mistrustful of social media, of political figures, of the Department of Justice and the FBI, law enforcement. So it's getting to the place where the public starts to not believe much of anything that it hears and doesn't really trust that they, as members of the public, will get a fair shake. It starts to feel like the powerful few are able to pretty much control everything, and we're sort of left in the dark to wonder what's true and what's not, to be blocked when we try to get access to good information, to sit there and be told by people on the news what we're supposed to think and how things are going to come out before we could possibly know. If you felt this way and if you've noticed these trends that I've talked about here today, you're not alone. There are definitely forces out there that are working very hard to make you think that you're an outlier if you think these things. Social media is all about that. But I like to say the best way to resist that sort of information manipulation and control is to make sure you live a lot of your life outside what I call the box. The box meaning the internet, social media, the news online, and Google, that can be manipulated, as we know. That can be almost totally controlled, where you can only get access to certain views and information. But trust your cognitive dissonance. Get outside the box. Talk to your friends, family, and neighbors. Trust your intuition. You are not alone. A lot of people feel the way you do, and they want unfettered access to information. They would like an unconflicted news that simply reflects the facts the things that are happening on the ground, not trying to shove a reporter's or a special interest viewpoint down your throat, which is too much of what we get today. So hang in there. And for more of what I'm starting to call old-fashioned reporting, the way it used to be, check out fullmeasure.news because that's where I post the TV replays of my Sunday TV show, fullmeasure.news. You'll feel good when you watch these segments. Most of the reporting that I do is not political at all, but to the extent that it touches on politics, you'll hear all kinds of views. And you won't see me trying to shove a particular person's viewpoint down your throat. As I say, you'll be left, of course, to make up your own mind. And you'll hear a lot of different views, some of which I may personally agree with, some of which I may not. That's not the point. I don't only have people on my program that I personally agree with, and I don't try to tell you at the conclusion of a story how you have to feel or what you have to decide. And we tackle a lot of off-narrative topics that only in recent years we've been told are not to be discussed 
or viewpoints that are illegitimate or stories and science that are closed cases we're not allowed to deliberate. We have all of that at full measure. How to watch? You could go to my website, CherylAckison.com, click the full measure tab, and you can see not just at fullmeasure.news, but other ways to watch this on television live, later on replays, or on our app called Stir. And I mention this because I know when people binge watch the cover stories that I've done in the past, there's a link to that too, you get that feeling like you used to have when you'd watch the news that, wow, there's so much going on in the world that nobody talks about anymore because the same couple of stories dominate the information landscape because that's how the propagandists and the political pundits want it. So if you look at full measure, you will literally see what you've been missing. There's a lot going on in this country and a lot going on in the world. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Check out justthenews.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, and all of the Just the News podcasts wherever you like to listen. It's time to pre-order Slanted, my new book. It's subtitled How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. I believe this is the first book that has interviews from numerous top executives and reporters, current and former, representing most every major network in both cable and broadcast, and most of them are unnamed in the book so they could speak candidly, but some did agree to allow their names to be used. All of them who described their personal politics said they were liberal or progressive-leaning, but nearly all express a lot of worry about what the news has become. Slanted also includes detailed dissections of some of the most infamous mistakes made by national media, as well as my exclusive list of more than 100 media mistakes in the era of Trump. That's slanted. I hope you'll pre-order today. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself. Think for yourself.